Isaiah, excuse me, Psalm, Psalm 56, 13. For you have delivered my soul from death. Will not you deliver my feet from falling? That I may walk before God in the light of the living. And for just a few moments, I want to preach to you on this thought, delivered from death. Amen. Let's lift our voices together. Can we just worship the Lord again one more time before we're seated? God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your beautiful spirit there today. Thank you for your love and mercy. Thank you for your kindness. God, minister today in your church. Minister to your people. By your power and authority, God, we yield to you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. The Lord bless you in Jesus' name. You may be seated. Good to see Brother and Sister Woods from Beulah, North Dakota, and uh, just up the road a little bit here, church planners, pastors. Love and appreciate them. Glad they're with us in church today. God bless you all. Amen. Psalm 56 begins a set of psalms. Uh, the 56th through the 60th are all written by David, and they're all mictum psalms, as we showed you last week. Of course, the Psalm 16 is the only other mictum. There's six of them. And if you recall from last week, you'll remember that a mictum psalm means that word mictum in the Hebrew means something to be engraved in stone or sculpted. In other words, it's, it's to be remembered for generations. If you want to dig deeper in your own personal study, you can look at the historical context of the psalm by its, its uh, uh, inscription at the beginning. And, and if you remember from our psalms teaching back a few years ago that the inscriptions are believed by the Jews to be as, just as much a part of the verses as the verses are. And I'm going to read it from the New Living because I can't pronounce some of these words in the King James. But, but the uh, New Living gives the inscription, says it this way, For the choir director, a mictum of David, Regarding the time the Philistines seized him in Gath to be sung to the tune dove on distant oaks. And so we can know, learn from that inscription some of its history. We can also go then because of that to 1 Samuel 21 and 22, Psalm 34. And we can see some other historical contexts that, that help to understand what was going on when this psalm was written. I'll do you a little bit of the favor and give you some of that, but you can dig deeper yourself too. Basically what happens here in Psalm 56 is David will vacillate back and forth between listening to the voice of fear and then listening to the voice of faith. And he'll go back and forth almost like a tennis match, if you will, back and forth. He'll end the psalm, the verse I read, with an eternal question. And that question, by the way, and verse 13, is the verse that ties this into being a mictum psalm, which mictums, if you remember as well, prophesy the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let's first look at the voice of fear. In verses 1 and 2, and verses 5 and 8, listen to what David says. Be merciful unto me, O God, for man would swallow me up. He fighting daily oppresses me. My enemies would daily swallow me up, for they be many that fight against me, O you most high. Verse 5, every day they rest my words. All their thoughts are against me for evil. Notice daily, every day, you can sense the, the, the frustration and, and the fear he's in. Verse 6, they gather themselves together, they hide themselves, they mark my steps when they wait for my soul, 
shall they escape by iniquity. In your anger, cast down the people, O God. You tell my wanderings, put my tears into your bottle. Are they not in your book? You can see here that David is, is hearing and, and even listening to and possibly contemplating obeying the voice of fear. He feels as if his enemies are too many to number. He feels as if he's in a place that he can't get out of. He feels like this is coming at him every single day. Now we know from the context, if you go look up those places I mentioned in 1 Samuel, you'll see that David is fleeing from Saul. He's been anointed to be the king, but now Saul is chasing after him in a jealous rage. Not Only that, but men who are in distress and in debt and discontented have joined with him to create this army of a mob, if you will, of people who are frustrated, who are hurt themselves. Misery does indeed love company. Amen? David, if you read 1 Samuel 22, 12, he says, laid up these words in his heart. He, he hears these words. He was sore afraid of King Ashish, the king of Gath, compounding his fear. All this is going on in his mind. And he even feigns madness as if he has a disease. Is it any wonder then that David is hearing and heeding the voice of fear? But in the midst of this, he finds time to write this psalm. Even though he's afraid of Saul, even though he's afraid of Ashish and many others, he begins to write this psalm. And the verses I read to you are those voice of fear verses. And it contends within him. Now, if, if you read through it, you, you can see where the voice of faith is. And we're going to get to that in a minute. But I believe David wrote these first. That's just my opinion. So... I don't have any other proof other than just it's my opinion. So I'm the one in the microphone, so so be it. But, well, amen. But, but I believe that, that for a while he, he wrote those verses and, and dealt with that. How many of you have been there where you feel alone, you feel afraid? Come on. Some of you have been anointed for something and it hasn't happened yet. Come on. Some of you have been called out for something and it hasn't happened yet. Oh, come on. And it's easy in those moments when when we look at the calendar and we see that God prophesied it here and I'm here and it still hasn't happened that the voice of fear can begin to grip our hearts. Is it really going to happen? Am I really God's man or woman? Am I really in the will of God? Am I really doing right? Should I really keep on believing? We've all been there when the voice of fear is yelling at us and shouting at us. But can I tell somebody today, if you'll just drown out the voice of fear and listen to the still small voice of faith. Hallelujah. David doesn't know for sure how many are against him. He assumes that it's many that are hounding him. And he refers to it three different times. Verse 1, 2, and 5. This voice of fear compounds its message of hopelessness. And David finds himself with this band of men, about 400 of them, fleeing into a cave in the land of Moab. It's noteworthy to point out that David felt unwanted in his own hometown, Israel. He felt unwanted in the cities of Israel. And so he had to flee to pagan towns. Come on, I'm giving you a little bit of history to to make you understand. Sometimes we feel that I don't belong. 
Do I really belong here? Am I really a part of this? Well, can I just pause here and tell you that if you are born again, you're part of the body of Christ. I don't care what you've been through. I don't care what you've done. I don't care who you did it with. I don't care what you thought. I don't care what you said. If you're born again, I don't care if you're struggling. I don't care if you're hurting. If you're born again, you're part of the body of Christ and you belong. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Find yourself in David's story. Can you can you sense that fear that's there? But I want to tell you that something happens in that stronghold that changes David. He's found himself a cave. He's found himself a place that he feels secure and safe. He's hiding from Saul. Saul doesn't know where he is. The king of Asia doesn't know where he is. <laughs> but God does. Mm. Hallelujah. Notice the voice of faith. Let's read verses 3 and 4, 9 through 12. What time I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. What has happened to make him switch from being afraid, and there's many that oppress me and hound me, to I'm not afraid anymore. What has happened? Verse 9, when I cry unto you, then shall my enemies turn back. This I know, for God is for me. In God will I praise his word. In the Lord will I praise his word. In God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid. What can man do unto me? Your vows are upon me, O God, I will render praises unto you. He is safe in this stronghold, but that's not what gives him the voice of faith. He is safe from Saul inside that cave. He is safely away from King Asius, but that's not what causes him to feel the voice of faith rising up with him. Instead, what happens, if you go to 1 Samuel 22, you'll find that God talked to a little-known prophet by the name of Gad and said, hey, this is the exact cave where David is hiding and he's listening to the voice of fear but I've got a word for him go and deliver a word can I tell you you may have hidden from everybody I may not even know what you're going through as your pastor but God knows where you are God knows exactly what you're going through and if you'll listen to the voice of faith if you'll listen to the word of God God has a word to build you to encourage you to edify you to strengthen you Hallelujah. I'm so glad God knew where he was hiding. Amen. And this is the word of the Lord, by the way. This is what God told Gad to tell David. Abide not in the hold. Depart and get you into the land of Judah. And if you read it, that's 1 Samuel 22, 5. Watch this. It then says, then David departed and came to the forest. He immediately obeyed. Can I tell you, that's probably the missing ingredient in some of us. We've heard the voice of faith, but we haven't immediately obeyed yet. And so when God speaks the word, immediately obey it. Amen. I had somebody ask me one time, they said, if I'm shouting with you and preaching with you, is that going to interrupt you? I said, no, it's not. If I come down to the front and pray while you're preaching, is it going to? No. 
Let me tell you, if God's already dealing with your heart, don't wait for the altar call. Altars are already open. Move when you feel it. Immediately obey. That's what happened. God gave the word and he immediately obeyed. Now, if you follow the context in 1 Samuel, you'll find that as soon as he immediately obeyed, Saul surrounded the city he went to. You think, well, wait a minute, he obeyed. Why didn't God protect him? It was because David was learning a lesson. You see, just before he had gone in to that stronghold, he had gone to the priest uh, Abimelech and had told him, I need some food. And he ate the priest, uh, the bread that was for the priest. And then he said, I've left on a quick journey and I forgot my weapons. What warrior forgets his weapons? Well, I suppose I did yesterday. But I had a head cold. And I could rent one. But David goes in and he says, do you have any weapons here? And the Bible says, yeah, I've got the priest of, of Goliath. It's behind the ephod. And you've heard me preach on this. He, he reached around the ephod to grab the sword, but that's not what he needed. The ephod was, was put on by the priest when they prayed to seek the will of God. And David learned that lesson. That's what the lesson was all about. Trust in me, not your stronghold that you're hiding in. You see, God is our stronghold, not some hiding place we come up with. And that's the lesson David had to learn. And he learned it because when Saul surrounded him after obeying the word, he didn't convene a war council and say, what's our best strategy? Do we attack? Do we retreat? Do we sneak out the back door? No, he prayed and said, God, what do you want me to do? How do I get out of this mess? That's what God wanted in the first place. Can I tell you, all God is wanting from some of us is just to pick up a prayer cloth, pick up an ephod, and start praying saying, God, what do I do now? Hallelujah. Regardless of the enemies surrounding him, David could say, this I know, for God is for me. That's the voice of faith speaking. Therefore, when you have a word from God, you have all you need. Amen. Pastor Danny, Sister Rebecca, I believe you've got a word for God for Norfolk. I don't care what the mayor says. I don't care what, care what the town council says. I don't care what any other church or organization say. I don't care what the devil says. You've got a word from God, and God will fulfill his word. I know the struggle is rough sometimes. I know it's hard sometimes. But hang on to the word of God because God can't lie, and he will fulfill his word. Amen. When you have a word from God, you have what you need. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Folks, 13 years ago this June, we moved to this city with a word from God. You don't know how many times I have prayed in this very sanctuary and reminded God what He told me. Not that He needs reminding, but I just want to make sure He knows you called me here on a word. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to hear the voice of faith. Hallelujah. David realized, I need to get closer to God. I need to trust him and his timing. And so, as he writes this psalm, I think he then puts it together, and God lets him put it together like this ping pong. 
I was listening to the voice of fear, but then faith came. And then I heeded to the voice of fear, but then I turned back to faith. And he ends the psalm with an eternal question, and it makes it a mictum psalm. Again, prophesying the resurrection of Jesus. He says in verse 13, you have delivered my soul from death. Now, we can apply this to David historically. In that case, God did deliver him. King Asius didn't kill him. King Saul didn't kill him. In fact, he died, if you will, of natural causes of many years later. And so we could apply that part to David. Put the verse back up, please. We could apply that part to David. But I want you to keep reading here and listen. He says, will not you deliver my feet from falling that I may walk before God in the light of the living? He now reaches into the eternal with a question. Since you've delivered my soul from death in this present physical thing, will you not also deliver me so that I can walk before you in the light of living? In other words, he reaches into the future. God's going to deliver my soul from death. There's something more than just this earth. Again, David's a prophet. And so this verse implicitly looks ahead to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When he mentions his soul, he's recognizing the eternity aspect of life. He understands you're going to spend eternity with God somewhere. I want to spend it with God. I don't want to spend it without God. Amen? Psalm 56, 13 foretells the resurrection of Jesus Christ because had Jesus never died and risen then our preaching and our faith would be in vain. That's what the Bible says. And if there's no resurrection, the Bible says that we remain in our sins. So, thus, if this life is all there is, then we are of all men most miserable. Oh, but hallelujah. Thanks be to God. Christ is risen. Oh, hallelujah. It gives those of us who are born again hope that we will eternally walk before God in the light of the living. Hallelujah. In other words, Jesus' resurrection makes the new birth possible. Because he had he not died... Had he not risen and ascended, there would be no new birth. There would be no power to save us from our sins. Why? Because in John chapter 7, at the day of that feast was over, Jesus stands up and says, If any thirst he can come drink of me, water. And this he spake of the Holy Ghost, which was not yet given. He had to first die. He had to first be buried. He had to first rise from the grave in order for the Holy Ghost to be given. And so without a resurrection, we don't have any hope. Hallelujah. You see, it's interesting to me then that what we call the rapture, the Bible actually calls the first resurrection. It's in Revelation 20 verses 5 and 6. Oh, that means my second birth nullifies the second death, and I get to go in the first resurrection. So second is first in this case. (laughs) Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm so glad that he's not going to. Leave my soul in hell. I'm so glad he's not going to let me stay in the grave. I'm so glad that when he comes again, we're going to hear him. We're going to hear that trumpet. Praise God.
Thank you, Jesus. And that's what David was seeing. He realized it's more than just deliverance from a cave. It's more than just deliverance from Saul. There's a future in this. There's a coming Messiah who's going to reign. There's a coming king, hallelujah, who's going to reign. And I want to be a part of that. Thank you, Lord. Praise team, please come. I wonder if there's anybody here today like David who's concerned about their eternity. Is there anybody today that you want to make sure you're calling an election is what it needs to be with God? Well, you know how you can participate and make sure is, first of all, read and obey the word. He must be born again, water and spirit. We're going to baptize one in just a few minutes that wants to be baptized. Hallelujah. You know, the disciples, they went back and forth between the voice of fear and faith. They all went to the garden. They all had listened to Jesus at the Last Supper. They had all watched Judas leave. But when they got to the garden, they all fell asleep. Jesus prayed earnestly. Great sweat as if it were great drops of blood. Can you not tarry with me for one hour? They would wake up and fall back asleep. And then, of course, Judas leads the temple guard in and arrests Jesus. Peter tries to stand up, cuts off Malchus's ear. Jesus heals it. Can you imagine? Wow. Even there in that moment, he's still healing. By the way, he called Judas a friend. All the disciples run. John winds up at Caiaphas' house. Peter winds up at Caiaphas' house, but then he denies the Lord three times. Weeps bitterly. They're going back and forth between fear and faith. And then it seems as if they're just going to heed the voice of fear and go fishing again. But Jesus rises. And one of the first things he tells, go tell my disciples. I know they abandoned me. I know they denied me. I know they ran away. I know they slept in my hardest moment. But go tell my disciples. I want to see them. Tell them to meet me. Can I tell somebody it doesn't matter what you've done? Jesus has risen. And he today is here saying, go tell my church. I love them. Go tell them that I'm there for them in their struggle, in what they're going through. Go tell them that I'm alive. He wants to deliver your soul today from death, eternal death. Let's stand together. It seems as if up to this point that this series that God's got me in is all about laying aside some weights you saw a couple weeks ago. As Brother Keith carried up a, a backpack and laid it here, symbolic of laying aside weights. I wonder if there's anybody today that you've just got something you want to take off and you want to leave at this altar today. You've got that weight on your back, on your shoulders that you just want to lay down today and say, God, I want to leave here delivered. Is there anyone that wants God to touch you today? Is there anyone? Come on down. 
Amen. There's one. Anybody else? You want God another? Come on. God's touching people right now. Ministers, I need your help here. Amen. Dylan, amen. Come on. God's ministering right now. In Jesus' name. 